Well, welcome to Bear Attack, a podcast where three dudes discuss music, myths, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Sam Montano, and I'm Polar Bear. Uh, I'm Sam Oceans, I'm Panda Bear. And I am Blitz Bear, Nate. <coughs> it sounds like a... And like today... a... <laughs> you made like it sound like, See, you made it sound like some doing kind six of like takes. military code. <laughs> Nate, Blitz Bear. Blitz First. Bear Nate, <laughs> reporting for duty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Name, rank, serial number. That's all you give him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Blitz Bear Nate. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about, Polar Bear? Uh, today we're attacking storytelling. And I think I'm going to talk about what makes a story good. We all know that uh, Polar Bear can tell, can spin a oh. tale. Oh, he totally can. Blitz, what are you uh, talking about? Um, so I have an emphasis in screenwriting for the movies um, from my degree. So uh, I'm going to talk about story structure. And uh, maybe if you have a story you're working on, uh, I'll point you in the direction of uh, some interesting things you can use to make that writing process go a little smoother. And also it's just... I think it's interesting. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about a specific form of uh, storytelling, um, songwriting. Um, I'm going to highlight a couple of songs that I like, some classic songs that you all know um, that tell a really good story. So. Yeah. Well, do you want me to, since mine is kind of a, a broader piece of it, do you want me to start off and then? Dude, please. Yeah, we can change it up. Let's, let's do that. I know. I'm not going in the middle, guys. Dude, kick us off. All right, so I want to I talk about what makes a good story. So, Nate, in 30 seconds or less, what makes a good story to you? Conflict and stakes. 10 seconds or less. I like it. Oceans, you got 10 <laughs> seconds or less, too. Not happening. Um... <laughs> I should have started opposite. Yeah. Uh, a good story for me is something that has a lot of character development, um, a lot of action that happens to the characters. It has to have good characters. Like, if you go see a Marvel movie and you're just like, you know the villain's going to suck, and you go see a DC movie and everything's going to suck except for the villain. <laughs> it's so true. Um, that's pretty much how that works. Um, and it's got to have a good climax. It's got to have... I mean, it doesn't have to have a necessarily like a resolution, but I hate things that ends on cliffhangers. I just uh, bugs the crap. You, even if it ends on a cliffhanger, it's got to have some sort of resolution. So here, here's what I think you have to have to have a good story. So firstly, you have to have a conflict because otherwise you don't have a story. You have a bunch of words in a row. Yeah, it's really like... There's there's a part of me that like wants to challenge that like there's got to be a way to do it without the formula but uh if uh if any of our listeners think they can tell a story without conflict I would love to hear it so you can uh, email it to us at beartackpodcast at gmail dot com and uh, I will definitely read it. Well, you can yeah, tell I'm a story curious. without a conflict, but 
but it's it not, sucks. Uh, it won't be a great story. It'll be like, the story will be like, the coffee machine worked perfectly. I had well-brewed coffee this morning. Yeah. It will be... That's not really a story. That's more of a fact. Exactly. <laughs> that is yeah. BS. It's not a story. Do not send us those unless you really want to entertain us with your random stuff. Of I mean, the day. it's kind of got a story to it because it's got a, a who, what, where, when, and but I mean, I didn't get a why. I mean, why? Yeah. I mean, if you if you really think the you why can is tell the one, conflict. If you think you've got one that that doesn't have some kind of struggle in it, I I want to hear it. Making coffee is a struggle because coffee is basically a drug for people that don't do actual drugs but need something to pick them up. It's an actual drug. It's I a am legit addicted drug. To coffee. That's I am my addicted vice. to coffee. Yes, exactly. It is a legit. At least two cups a day. It's a legit drug. Yeah, but you gotta have a conflict to have a story. Um, my favorite example is still um, our pitch that we did in one of our classes as a team, the three of us, to uh, Joe Cardone <laughs> and Paul. Oh no, I know where you're going with this. I think it was top three pitches, actually. <laughs> yeah, we did good. Oh, Even though yeah. Joe Cardone literally called it an Adam Sandler movie, he did. which made me piss my pants because I'm like, it kind of is. It it was, and I'm ashamed, but it it was it was the see it was entertaining. I'm not ashamed because we're better than Adam Sandler. Sorry, I feel like sorry Adam, guy that has an actual career versus us, but yeah, I feel like Adam Sandler is the Nickelback of actors because I don't hate him, but a lot of people do. Yeah, he is. I, I straight up I don't like his movies. He uh, he's Not very all his well movies known. suck. Makes a lot of money, but um, but anyways, um, our our movie was about a, a young man that gets stuck running a carnival that uh, the mob is trying to collect insurance money from, but he needs to save the carnival. So his conflict is do to give into the mob and let the carnival go to pay the mob debts or to keep it running. And save the family business that he doesn't care about, but eventually he'll come around to caring about. But it's not up to code or anything like that. So it's just, you know, <laughs> band-aid fixes over things that really should, that are regulated for a reason. That's correct. Are and we you? also set it around, like, right after Hurricane Katrina in Louisiana. So. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, so in the up. end, like, he doesn't want to be running the carnival. He just inherits it from an uncle or something, and then... Um, that's correct and then in the end somebody sabotages it and it like burns down or something if i remember well yeah he saves it and then something goes wrong and it burns down anyways yeah to go with your conflict you have to have stakes because if you have a bomb that's going to go off but your main character is having coffee across the country it doesn't it doesn't matter no he's got to be in the room with the bomb for us to care like, the bomb needs to be under the table where he's having coffee, and if he stands up, the bomb goes off. Like, there's your stakes. Yeah. My anxiety is already just you saying that. I'm like, so does he stand up? Mm-hmm. What if he does? What happens after that? <laughs> Kaboom, dummy. See? What else you gotta happens? have stakes. But the, the thing with stakes is you have to build them through the movie, too. Because if you have your conflict and the stakes aren't high enough, then your character's just going to not care 
or your audience is not going to care about your character's reasons. See, and that's why I like Deadpool well so much said? because it starts with like the conflict and like, what the hell is happening and why is it happening and then it flashes back and then it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like that when mm-hmm. it's done that way, but if you go straight to the conflict with no like and you don't go context later on, like it's it doesn't ah. Yeah, it's a there's a definite balancing act where you want to get right into it and um, move the story along as fast as you can without having it be too quick without losing your audience but people especially nowadays have real short attention spans so you got to keep things moving which uh we're so great at on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) i wish we were good at that um (laughs) but yeah so you gotta you gotta bring a reason that your character is invested in your conflict and give them a reason to solve said conflict and that's that's your plot that's going to progress you through the story. And, as we've said a lot, you got to have an interesting character that we care about that grows in some way. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have an example. So, one of the movie series that got me into filmmaking was Back to the Future. Oh, yes. I love, I love those three movies. Great stuff. But individually, the only one that's an, a complete story with a with a good character arc is the third Back to the Future. Oh, really? Because that's the one where they go to the spoil- old west, right? Yeah. Spoiler. Okay, so spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, where have you been for twenty five years? Well, you got to get on it. Well, I guess uh, I'll see myself to the door. Are you kidding me? You've never seen. Oh. That hurts. I don't so spoiler alert, Nate, here's how the series uh, ends. I didn't really so, feel like I needed to see it. Like, the first two were satisfying, and I was like, okay, it's good enough for me. <laughs> well, Marty McFly, throughout all three movies, if you call him chicken, he's going to do the thing that you dared him to do, mm. even if he knows better not to do it. And in the first two movies, he doesn't grow at all. He doesn't resolve that. He's just a dude. Yeah, he does remain pretty much unchanged. Yeah, and then in the third movie, he learns from his future that is his past because he lived in the future as his current self and then came back to the past. It makes sense if you watch it, but he learns and he gets called chicken for a race and instead of racing, he throws it in reverse and drives home safely instead of getting T-boned in an intersection where um, he had medical complications that he saw in the future. Nice. So, I have have to watch them as a six-hour-long movie that I cut myself to where they just run together. Did you actually, like, edit them together? I did, and it's a little bit uncomfortable from between one and two because they had to change the actress that plays his girlfriend. Oh, so she's the same in two and three, but she's a different gal in one. And they oh, had to reshoot. Oh, crap, that's right. Yeah, and they had to reshoot the final scene of the first Back to the Future as the intro scene of the second Back to the Future with her and do a shot-by-shot recreation. Oh, bummer. So it's a little hard because I had to, like, cut it and put the second first se- the second episode's first scene as the last scene of the first one. 
so suddenly Jennifer is just a different person. <laughs> okay, well, we need to watch this. I'll find it. It's on one of my old computers. <coughs> um, That's pretty but wild. Yes. I can't believe you actually did that. Well, That's it annoys insane. me so much that he never grows, because it's not a complete story. No. You have to have a character that you care about, and even if it's a stretch that we care about them... They gotta have a fin- an arc. They gotta. They have to grow and progress as a human being, or at least as a like a protagonist. Like they have to grow into their being the main character. Right. I, um, a side note: I feel like I'm more of a simpleton when it comes to like movie stuff because um, I'm a big fan of the Fast and Furious series, and there is like zero character development in that. It's just all action based. Um, oh, I love Fast. I love Fast and Furious, and I disagree with you about the character development. I mean, there is some, but it's not like it's not great. The big talking point it's, of the movie. It's real superficial, but I'm fine with it because it squeaks by. Yeah, right. Because that's not what those movies are about. That's more about the action and what's driving their actions and the you know car scenes and blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fast and Furious is a very point A to point B conflict. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no MacGuffin in Fast and Furious. Um, well, in the first one, it's like the, uh, the stolen... Yeah, the first one. But, like, after that, it is, here is our problem, we solve it. Okay, fair enough. And there's little yeah. miniature stories in between. I haven't the seen resolution. any of them twice. Yeah, so the first one, there is the MacGuffin of the... Oh, I'm going to do like an 18-hour marathon before the next one comes out. Oh, my gosh. Before, So anyone that doesn't know, a MacGuffin is a plot point that doesn't actually matter to the resolution of the story. But it's there to keep your attention and throw you off. Yeah. Which in the first Fast and Furious, I forget what. Is it like a bunch of TVs or something that gets stolen? Yeah. Yeah, the MacGuffin is the, the TVs that are being stolen because that's the case he's on. Yep. Which it ends up being them anyways, but it's all about uh, Brian finding out that he's not um, he's not the guy that he starts the movie out as. Yeah, it's kind of, he finds this family that he didn't know he needed. It's a coming of age story for like a late 20s man. Um, something else that while we're on the subject that ties into that is um, stories there's a big story and a little story this is something that a lot of people uh, miss and uh, most people focus on the big story which in the Fast and Furious is racing cars Um, at least in the first movie yeah Um, Mm -hmm. the, the little story is what the story is actually about the big story is just what gets you to go into the theater. What looks good on a poster, what, you know, you go... The action, exactly. I like cars. But what you stay for, what makes the movie worth watching, is the story about this guy um, getting the girl, really. I think in Fast and Furious is what happens. Um, and making, and like, earning the trust of somebody who he isn't supposed to be... Of her, well, of her family who he's supposed to be like bringing into jail or something like that yeah and, uh, well the real move the i think the small story is him finding his place in the world or that yeah even more simply put um mm-hmm. character discovery yeah and that's something Pretty that much. that's a 
you know, you want your stakes to be something that we all get without having to explain it too much. We all know what it's like to wonder what our place in the world is and struggle Every to day. find that. So that's what keeps us, that's what makes us stay interested in the movie. If it was just car scene after car scene, no one would care. And uh, Fast and Furious well, you'd doesn't... Have, you'd have a couple um, watchers. Like there's a movie called Two Lane Blacktop. There is no plot. It is all <laughs> about the car. And how much money did it make? Uh, not much, and you guys haven't heard about it until just now when I said its title. <laughs> yep. So. Also, I think we need to uh, start a new session unless anybody's got a two-minute statement. Oh. Um, I guess just in conclusion, The Fast and Furious isn't a great <laughs> explanation of what a good small story is, but uh, it, it, even in The Fast and Furious, it's there. So... You gotta have a good character who has some conflict to overcome, and he learns a lesson at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And the stakes gotta be just right. Yep, I think this goes along with stakes, and it's what I'm gonna end on. But I think it's a piece of the movie that, well, any story that people struggle with, and I, I don't know if there's another thing to call it, but I've always heard it called the clock. The ticking clock. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you gotta have a, a finite, like, this thing is gonna happen, and it has to be resolved by this time, otherwise you lose the thing that mattered to you. Like, the guy, our, our friend of the coffee shop, who's sitting in his chair, the bomb is under the table, and if he stands up, the bomb is gonna go off. But, if he takes longer than six hours if he doesn't stand up within six hours a bomb goes off in his girlfriend's apartment like oh, that would okay. be your ticking clock yeah um i could be totally off on this um i kind of feel like the clock is really nothing more than just a good way to raise the stakes anytime you put a time limit on people it just ups the pressure a ton and i feel like for that story that we're talking about like the bomb under the table the uh main conflict obviously would be between him and whoever plays the bomb but um a temporary resolution would be say he defuses the bomb did you say place the bomb or plays the bomb the person that placed placed it i heard you say the person that plays the bomb and i'm just like (laughs) i was like i would cast ad I would cast uh, Christopher Walken as my bomb. (laughs) This bomb is going to explode in six hours. That's five hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds. It's the new (laughs) new Mario movie. I feel like the main conflict would be our protagonist and whoever placed the bomb and then a temporary resolution would be fine. Say it's like a, it's like a, oh heck, what is that movie called with um, uh, Keanu Reeves? Uh, Speed. No, 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 the John Wick. Um, oh. If say something, something like that, he figures out he defuses the bomb at the table, but then he realizes that the bomb at his girlfriend's apartment is still going to go off anyway. So then he has to. There's more action, and he has to resolve that issue, and, and yeah. Uh, so. In the example I'm giving, the the clock is a literal clock, but it doesn't have to be. 
it just has to give like it is just another way to raise the stakes it goes just along with it but i feel like if you don't give any like finiteness to the stakes then what was the point of having the stakes because you'd have unlimited time to figure it out yeah you know what's you know what's funny is sometimes you can do it in the reverse where you can uh like the video game until dawn which is basically a movie that you play Mm -hmm. um they just have to hold out for a certain amount of time so it's not like they have this pressure on them to to do something within an amount of time it's like you're just sitting there like will they make it until dawn uh but you're and your ticking clock doesn't have to start at the beginning of the movie you could have like a like a rom-coms a lot of the times their clock is like a lot of rom-coms their their winning formula is that the guy does something stupid and the girl is leaving and she's either flying home from the christmas town she's in if it's a hallmark movie or she's going to get she's on a date with some other guy and the clock is that he's got to get there and win her back before it's too late Ba, ba, ba. Yeah, that's true. It's like but the I feel, entire plot of I how feel I that the <laughs> pretty much. But I feel that the clock is an essential part to a good story. Rom coms are a good example of how um, to basically tell a story. Yeah, if you want to see a way to like have stakes, but like to where it's not like something violent or like life threatening. Rom-coms are really good at that because it's that's really hard to write is how do you write stakes where because bombs are easy, you know, like oh, they got to defuse a bomb within a certain amount of time. It's true. But uh, bombs are really easy stakes to find cuz you stand up, you're dead. The timer goes out, you're dead. Yeah. So rom-coms but, kind of have yeah. have a whole another challenge of because they still have it. They're they're everything that we've mentioned so far applies to them. It's just a little bit different because um, no one wants to be alone forever. That's kind yeah, of yeah. No, I feel like uh, if, you're really, if you really like, oh. if you really want to like uh, figure out what's a good story, um, the best way to do it is read. Like read a book. They have to like this written word is very strong. Like, mm. and a good thing about book is like the setting. Like for example, I used to read Harry Potter all the time, um, and what my brain interpreted like. Hogwarts looking like wasn't exactly like what it looks like in the movie, but that's everybody has a different interpretation. Even though it's described, certain things can be different. Sure. And that's the beauty of actually reading a book or reading a screenplay or something is everybody can interpret it some way different. Like say J.J. Abrams makes a movie, but then Quentin Tarantino remakes it. It's going to be completely different. Yeah. Oh Looks- man, if J.J. Abrams makes it, it's going to be all camera work and lights and some CGI. And if Quentin Tarantino makes the same movie, it's going to be so much dialogue that doesn't matter, but you're going to quote it for the rest of your life. Because <laughs> he writes very good dialogue, <laughs> but everything else is pointless. He writes, he writes good... very pointless dialogue, but it's very rem- like memorable dialogue that gets you somewhere eventually. Yeah, Tarantino's an interesting one where it, like, he, he breaks all the rules. You don't want to do what Tarantino does if you're starting out. The reason Tarantino can do it is because he's established and he's proven that he can pull off something successfully. If right, you're like, everybody does it differently. Like, Steven Spielberg is more to the book. Like, he follows the basic story, like, the introduction, yeah. the build-up, 
to a because he wrote the book. Right. Pretty much. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. He wrote the book for the modern movie. Yeah. To a fault, you can follow this, but you can't break the rules until you know how to do it effectively. Which Tarantino? You have to. You have to know the rules to be able to break the rules. Yeah. See, and again, I'm a simpleton because I'm not a fan of Tarantino because it doesn't go with the norm. It. It. Mm. Honestly, he's he's, and uh, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. He's pretty overrated. His movies don't really have a point, or like they're they're fluff. And that is our bear attack for the that is our attack for this episode of Bear Attack. Quentin Tarantino, (laughs) your movies are fluff. Um, I have a a closing idea that we don't have to like finish it on this, but it's just my last thought that I had that I lost while I was talking, so I'm trying to talk more so that it'll come back to me. <laughs> I'm just impressed that you filled this much time talking about story structure, and it's actually, I, I, I think it's kind of going to be, like, for the people that don't have a degree in it, it's I think it'll still be semi-entertaining, because we can talk about the shop like this all day, like, like literally, we sat around a yeah. table and wrote a screenplay that got compared to an Adam Sandler film, but at the same time, it was fun. he realized that mm-hmm. we had just... <laughs> bs around a table for like an yeah, hour and a half that's the joy is getting together with your friends and i remember what i had to say and here we go so my finishing thought on rules is you're gonna hear all the rules you're gonna hear what it all is and the formulaic of how to do it and it's good to practice the structure and how it should go and making your practicing your craft in a way that makes it that a way that it works or in the industry they would say it has legs, like an idea that authentically works for you. But once you know the rules and you start being able to break the rules or and you're finding your style of breaking it, um, don't be afraid to take a challenge. Like in um, uh, Nate and I was one of our last classes with uh, one of our uh, more colorful professors he told us very specifically do not have an announcer in your film it's not it's very weak story writing it's lazy Mm -hmm. so my final project i made my announcer my main character (laughs) and he was forced to say i liked it why did you do this and then i think the only time we've respected each other was when he sa- when I said, because you told me not to. <laughs> so you there's a time no, and place for it. And that goes back to my, I have this philosophy. The more you tell somebody they can't do something or have something, the more they're going to want to do it. And the yeah. more they're probably going to do it. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's great. And if you have a story that, if you have a movie or a book that you want to write and you think that, the thing's never been done successfully. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't try. I'm just telling you, you should know and understand why it hasn't been done successfully. Yet. Right. There are mm-hmm. certain rules that may prevent certain things from the, in that specific story from working. But again, like in a book, it's up for interpretation. So if you can meld it in a way that it works with the rules without breaking them, if you're not already established like a guy like Quentin Tarantino, then go for it. Yeah, we're all. Ever, nobody should be discouraged from being creative. Like, yeah, yeah. No. More thoughts. So, a great 
maybe not a great uh, story writer all the way through, but a, a gentleman that has great starting points for stories, and when he follows along with the idea, they go really well, is J.J. Abrams, who wrote, who wrote the pilot and maybe the first three episodes of a very popular show series called Lost. But <sighs> after not knowing they were going to get picked up or not, they didn't like flesh out the entire main conflict of the series. And that's why after the first three episodes, it just kind of goes off the rails because they didn't have a plan. So if you're going to write, do any sort of writing, you need to know what your conflict is, who your characters are, what their stake in the game is, and you always need to... You always need to go back to your main conflict and your characters and always, always take yourself out of your characters unless the character in the story is you. Yeah, that's really that's probably the hardest thing for me to do is to not just write all the characters the way I would do things. Well, here's if you'd like my tips on how I write characters. So I will actually write a character. Um, so in television, there, there's a document that's the size of the yellow pages. For those of you that have never seen yellow pages, it's a book of phone numbers that's thick with like three C's, but it's called the show Bible. And in it is the character and just facts about them and their temperaments and <clears throat> a little bit of their like backstory where they come from. Because whenever you need to know something about the character, you need to go back to who they are and why it's important to them that they solve the conflict. Mm -hmm. And these are the polar bear facts on storytelling. <laughs> nice. Me, uh, me, me personally, I was never huge on screenwriting and whatever, even though my degree's in something similar. Um, I'm just not good at it. Uh, the, He's I'm, a I'm creative media and film uh, graduate with an emphasis in production. Right. But a lot of like my work myself, was in TV but and my radio. Emphasis, yeah, my emphasis was more specifically in cinematography and lighting. And mine was in writing. So we have um, a full, we have a, we got a good crew here for that. We do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I took one screenwriting class in college. And, yeah, Bill Carter pretty much told me, no, nope, no, not for you. Um, <laughs> it's not for everyone, for sure. No. And it's true. I, again, I was a radio TV guy. I'm not a big I'm like, I'll make movies and whatever, but I'm more of on the editing side and the technical stuff um, or acting in it, for example. But the actual like creative process, more my more creative brain goes towards music. Um, so I'm a, I, I write songs and stuff and like I'll be like thinking about something and I'll get a good like lyric idea. And I don't write them down all the time, whatever. But like, again, uh, music songs that tell a story are the best songs like. Mm. Um, Hotel California by the Eagles. Great song. Great story. Take um, the money and run. Take the money and run. Good song. Um, like, And then even more superficial ones, like Margaritaville is a great song. It doesn't really have a story, but there's a point to it. Um, Five o'clock somewhere. Or Moss Tequila by uh, Sammy Hagar and the uh, Wabos. It's literally about drinking tequila and partying. Um, uh, Red but, Solo Cup. They right, exactly. 
They still do have a lot of those storytelling elements, though, where there's a character, usually the, the vocalist, who uh, they, they want something. Like, with the example is 5 o'clock somewhere. They, they don't want to be at work. And uh, it works because we've all felt that way at some point. We understand his, his conflict and uh, mm-hmm. his search for what he wants. And there's the classic that we can all relate to where, you know, you're just hanging out, playing your fiddle, and the devil stops by and makes you a cha- challenges you for your soul versus a, you know, a golden fiddle. Yeah. Happens all the time. Do you want, do you want to go to hell or have a golden fiddle? I think and the Johnny said, is- well, you're pretty good, old son, but st- sit down on that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. But uh, one of my favorite songs, um, and it's not even for, originally from a band that I'm super into. Um, it was originally done by a band called Leonard Skinner. If you haven't heard of them, you've been living under a rock. Um, they Sweet have Home Alabama. Super, yeah, exactly. That yeah. song. But that is not the song that I'm talking about. Um, even though that does tell a story. Uh, but that is not Free the Bird. one. Free Bird. No. Um, I'm going to talk about the song. Uh, I don't know if it's originally by them. I think it is. Um, but it's a song called Simple Man. Um, which I relate to uh, a lot, actually. I think we all can relate to that song. Um, but the the Shinedown version is the one that I'm more familiar with. Um, but that tells it tells a great story. It's just like about everyday life and being simple and not and like you can have dreams, but the reality of things is you're just always going to be a simple man. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's pretty much my interpretation of that story. Um, and it is doesn't have the normal story structure but it has like the character and it's relatable you know not all stories have to have the structure they just need to be relatable and you can interpret it as you feel needed yeah and the the structure changes from medium to medium obviously um a book's not going to have the same structure as a movie and a short film's not going to have the same structure as a movie and a song song exactly like you can't write a song like you would write like the normal like intro Resolution, conflict, etc., etc. You can't write a song like that. It's got to have a progression to it, you know, and it's got to be able to flow. And certain words have to go together. And songwriting has a whole other element to it. But you can also tell stories while doing it. Yeah, yeah but it's always got to come back to a central theme if it's a story, you know. Like yeah. that's your that's your chorus usually, I think. Well, and Simple Man is kind of the same as Fast and Furious in that it's trying it's about trying to find your place in the world. It's, right, kind of, exactly. it's a coming of age song. Right, and like a lot of artists from back in the day, like not so much now because music has become commercialized thing and whatever, like it has trends and whatever sounds good. And you know what I like hate? Back in the day, like singer songwriters like uh, Elton John and like uh, Mellencamp. And Play me a C- song, Bob Seger, the piano man. Right, Billy Joel, um, the Eagles, and like even Led, even Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath to a point tell stories. Um, but like music nowadays, not so much. It's just more about the commercial aspect and selling a product, which annoys me to no end. But yeah, what I what I hate the trend I hate in modern music is the like one sentence second verse, where they. They just, you know, you got to have a second verse, so they just throw a, a, like one line in there, and then they just go right back to the chorus. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Credit where it's due, though. Like, if we're not talking about like pop music, 
Um, if we look at like metal bands and stuff, like you listen to a Kill Switch Engage song, Jesse Leach is telling a story or talking about a certain thing. If mm-hmm. it's relatable to him personally, then it's a story to him. If it's something that he's trying to be able to have the fans interpret, then he's still telling a story. Like um, yeah. Kill Switch Engage is a good modern example of that, or like Avenged Sevenfold. They there's a lot of fiction or Sabaton. Sabaton is a great example because war they, they retell History. war stories yeah, in music. So they have to, it's their interpretation. They get to set it up how they want, but they're still telling like an actual real story. Yep. Yeah, even documentaries and historical works still follow these basic principles. Um, if your history books were really boring as a kid, it's probably because they didn't have a good writer who could help you see the the human aspect of it, which, and that's kind of a sketchy place because you don't want to get into like historical revisionism or romanticizing things that happened, but they are, there are ways to tell like the story of history. And it's really quite fascinating. Um, well, there's the, uh, that whole book series. that's like the journal of, and it's, uh, all about like the journal of a civil war soldier. Mm-hmm. And the whole book is written as a, as entries from them. In, from the wars or moving west or something like that which going with what uh tying back to what uh, uh panda bear was saying a lot of like metal songs are kind of journals or like someone's uh processing through something difficult right and i feel like music is a good medium because a lot of the people that are in music are very creative personalities and a lot of that has to do with like storytelling like um even artists, like painters and stuff, they're telling a story. Right. Like, a lot of art has a conflict and a resolution and a main character in the piece. Hmm. Um, That's perceptive. So, perceptive visual storytelling. Somebody's is another, going to the Louvre. Yeah, dang. I'm No, I'm not that art. Like, <laughs> art is not, like, visual art is not my, like, if you're writing words down, yeah, I get it. But I'm not a creative painting artist person at all. I enjoy looking at it, but a lot of the times I don't understand what they're getting at. Send a, send us your art. Send a panda bear your concrete poetry. <laughs> no. Don't send hey, it I, to me. <laughs> I actually have a... Uh, um, I back in elementary school, I actually have a hardcover book of poems that I wrote when I was in elementary school that I got published as part of like the Young Authors Program type what? of thing. Yeah, so there's a, I have all the, uh, my grandma's got a copy, and I think I have a copy at my house. I can grab a copy so you guys can see it. Dang, it's dude. not like it's not super like creative or anything, but like there are stories in there. Dude, um, that's like, going up on social media. That could be your two truths and a lie. Like I literally talk about the weather. You're a published t- author. Author. Yeah. Um, not best-selling book by any means, but. Uh. <laughs> hey, I mean, one of my. Uh, IMDb's is that I or one of my tooth juice and lies that I'm on IMDb. It's true. So I, I've seen the rough cut of the film. Shoot, I made the final cut of the film. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. I have some acting credit, but nothing noteworthy. Um, <laughs> the first time I held a girl's hand was in pan, uh, not panda, polar bear, Sam Montana's. Uh, video where the narrator was the main character and uh i was i was the main guy in it and uh she's uh she's making good music now she is she's a jude on jude wallace g uh j j u 
J U D E W A L L A S A C E. Yeah. Yep. Jude Wallace. She's doing good music these days. Yeah, that's it's uh it is pretty good. But uh yeah, so I've I've got my two cents in like songs that tell stories are really good. Um, you don't always have to use words to tell a story. You can paint it. You can spray paint it. You can, I don't know, make weird, random, abstract videos that tell stories that are so, like claymation tells a story. Like anything mm-hmm. can tell a story if you have the simple structure and yeah. your creative interpretation of it. And this this stuff is so ingrained into us that like when I was making movies in the backyard with my cousins, like to this day, if you go back and watch those, they're pretty trash, but they follow the like three act structure almost Mm -hmm. to a T, which I'm proud of. (laughs) Right. There are a lot of aspects of life that are like a story, like when you're a kid and uh, you're just out and about with your friends hanging out at playing hockey in the street or playing on a giant mound of dirt making caves for your hot wheels like there's a point there's a story there um yeah that's why we really imagination imagination as spongebob would say it it could create stories imagination (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) one of my um i i slept on it um an album from last year oh sleepers bloodied unbowed album um uh and i feel like it should have been in my top 10 albums of the year but uh i um it's it tells a story of someone struggling with their faith through the lens of a a soldier fighting in a resistance against this evil corporation and like a dystopian kind of thing um and you wouldn't necessarily know that just from listening to the album but holy cow it is incredible it's a, it's very visual and visceral, and they have like this, this island the character ends up going to. And if if you want to really get the point that I'm trying to push across, go listen to any Iron Maiden song ever, because like those guys, every song that they write, it, whether it be a fictional or something that happened in for real life, every song that Iron Maiden writes has some kind of story to it. Mm. Whether it's abstract and you're never going to understand it, there's not, like the trooper. It's about like uh, that's run or run to the hills. It's the one with like about the trail of tears and like the <laughs> destruction <laughs> of Native Americans and stuff. Yeah, and they do a really good job. They don't romanticize it or anything, but they make it. They show the more aggressive. Like this is why this happened. This is because they're the British. They don't have. They got no skin in the game. If it. <laughs> right i don't uh yeah i can tell like it is <laughs> but outside looking in man you know exactly I'm but yeah storytelling is all around and as long as it has that it doesn't even necessarily have to have that three-act structure yeah no um that really applies to films um i think and, that it helps. and books i think um and books yeah um Books obviously are much longer, but I think uh, by and even and large, poetry, like there's a beginning, middle, and end. So. Yeah, it, it really is kind of a beginning, middle, end thing. So everything should follow it to a degree. But uh, polar bear, I wanted to ask you, like we we've been talking about storytelling this entire episode, and you're normally the guy on the podcast that 
tells the myth or legend, which is the big story aspect of our podcast. The rest of it is just facts and whatever. Um, I'm just curious, like, how do you go about, like, because you, you do tell stories very well, and we've got compliments on how good you tell stories, and, like... Thanks so much. A lot of that is, like, a lot of people's favorite parts of the podcast is him telling his myth or legend. So I want to ask you, like, how do you go about making it so that the stories resonate with people? Well, I will be happy to tell you as soon as we come back and start a new session. I think the key to my, I think the key is that I've, I have a very dry delivery on almost everything. Yeah. So. How- and I also do voices. Right, but, you so do. Here's, here's the here's my process of how I uh, figure out what myth and or legend I'm going to be talking about. Um, well, it starts with I just know a lot because I listen and read a lot of stories all the time. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of legends that I can kind of just reach into my the file cabinet of my mind and get after. Sure. So name, uh, name a favorite and I'll go my, through how I my, did that one. My favorite is from episode one, the... Uh, the Bigfoot one. Yeah, the Bigfoot one with your dad, yeah. But a close second is okay. the Chupacabra story. The Chupacabra one is good. Um, I like <laughs> Episodes the, uh, one and two. Yeah, pretty I, much. Uh, it's been all on. downhill from there. Um, <laughs> crap, Ola. Uh, we thought it was going to be our worst episodes, and turns out... I know, we always come back to those. Um, I, think I, like, I think they're very rambly. I like that one about the uh, cave... That you told where the people get buried alive and then like people get rediscovered. Oh, the bloody pit. Oh, Ringo yeah, Kelly. Pit. Yeah, Ringo Kelly. That one was good too. And the bloody pit. That is a good one. Yeah. Episode eight of season one. Okay. Well, I'll do I'll do a quick on both on um, the Bigfoot story and the bloody pit because they're very different. How I did that. Back to Bigfoot. Da, da, Back to da. Bigfoot. So the story the story with my dad is you know a family story. So that's how I knew that one. And I've told it a bunch of times, so I've kind of been refining that story over my entire life. But um, you got to find what the... With those sorts of stories, it's best to be able to build suspense to get to your... um, The climax of the story, which is going to be the release that Mm. makes it satisfying to have listened to (coughs) some guy tell a story on your phone or radio so the the building suspense for that one is you kind of work backwards you start at what's the satisfying piece of the story you want to get to which is my dad seeing bigfoot from across the field and then you build backwards to well how did he get into that situation what was he doing who was with him how could he have seen the thing you know all the elements go from there which i think is a good way to build any story is to understand what you want to accomplish and then build to it would have been good if they did that with the star wars sequels (laughs) yeah so and that story um luckily i just know that one very well because that one i didn't know i I didn't really plan on on any of it i just kind of told it to you guys Uh, so that one, there's not a lot of process to it. Sure. Uh, but that's the basic idea is if you're going to wing a story, you got to know what you want your listener to get out of it. 
You gotta know the moment that you want them to be like, oh, that was great. Now so, for, uh, oh, sorry, Nate, what's up? Oh, I was just going to say, so, like, what do you do for, like, the Ringo Kelly, the Bloody Pit story? So the Bloody Pit, so the Bloody Pit <coughs> is a thing that actually is exists and happens, which makes it more fun because people can go look it up, and I don't have time to tell everything about it, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll find the, the thing, Either I'll just like Google a concept or I'll already have it in my mind like I already knew that one. So I'll find the bloody pit and I'll give the background of it, which is just giving you the details and facts and getting you invested into the time, place, and the people. And if it's a story that takes over a long period of time like that one, I like to... Uh, start you at the who, what, why, who, what, when, where, and why, and then in the middle, I'll give kind of the spooky happenings and the where it's at at this point and what people have seen, and then I like to get to the juicy part that is fun and usually a little bit traumatic in a lot of the <laughs> haunted haunty stories I tell, but I like that to be my big payoff at the end. Is someone? <laughs> I apologize and then for if the there's a resolution noise at eight o'clock at night that's happening right now. If you can hear it in the recording, I don't know. Uh, I heard like a car. Is that what the sound? Oh, maybe. Maybe it was a Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if there is a resolution to the story, like uh, there's there wasn't one for the the bloody pit because it's still. It's still a haunted place and still an active track. But for like the, uh, the last story I told about Mary Roth, right? how it resolves with her, the um, Lorancy coming back and not having her seizures anymore. That's a good one like to... with uh, characters and all that. Or like the one with mm -hmm. um, the girl from uh, that place who moved to Los Angeles and there was a guy in her attic and all that that was another good oh. example of good storytelling and history having because those are historical stories that actual people yeah yeah all three of those are real people and real documented events yeah but they still still follow that uh everything we've been talking about for the most part maybe not so much the bloody pit but certainly the yeah, other the bloody two pit was more of a a uh, fact finding and just under and just finding a good way to deliver it. It was a little more academic, a little more, a little more textual. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the man in the attic it was, a, was definitely it was school time with bear attack, attacking <laughs> the historical subjects that you didn't know you needed. Yeah, but um, the man at the man in the attic. That one's definitely more of a three act structure kind of story. Because it resolves and has a beginning, a middle and end, a conflict, and all those good things we've talked about all the way up till this point. And that is how Polar Bear goes about creating the stories he tells on this podcast. If I may um, make some... Can I tell you guys what does it for me? What, uh, what, it, what it is that Sam does that uh, 
makes the whole thing work for me. Oh, I wish you would. Um, uh, so it's, I think that your inflection has a big, uh, part of it, just the way you vocally, because I mean, you can tell like the greatest story ever, but if your writing's bad or like, this is why a lot of like books are written by someone and someone else like especially autobiographies because maybe the person writing isn't such a great writer and they need someone to help give them a good voice. I think Polar Bear has a really good voice where uh, you could just be like, oh yeah, there was this day where we went to Warp Tour and there was no water and it sucked. It's not like terribly interesting right, when you tell right, it that right, way. Exactly. But when, when Polar Bear tells it, it's like my friend and I, we, uh, I don't know, the, the, way you, the way you do it. And uh, you do you do ha- keep that suspense. You, you're I think better at getting to the point than like maybe Oceans and I are, where we kind of just ramble. But you like you 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 take us on a journey. You weave us there. You uh, you gently like, guide us. I feel like this whole episode has culminated right here. This whole storytelling thing just. has come to how polar bear possibly makes something that could be potentially so boring into something. That is a masterpiece of just speech. We'll just do an episode where Montano's creative process is influenced on both of us. <laughs> just starts narrating and we have to improv it. Oh, I, think man. That, I think that would be I'm gonna, hysterical. I'm going to assign both of you at least two characters. And I'm going to make those two characters fight with each other. Oh, Danny's going to make us do voices. I love it. Heck yeah. If you're telling a story <laughs> and you don't do voices, you are missing a very big part of your story. I feel and another got... thing that he's good at. But he doesn't do it in a way where it's the voice of the character. It's, again, the inflection of his own personal voice describing the character. It, it's not like Montano always does voices of the characters, even though he does sometimes. Well, I think subconsciously the voices I do are my perception of the person. Mm. It's Betty Cooper. And a new prom queen is Betty Cooper. <laughs> we have to do it now. I'm in. Sharon, I'll start writing the something. voices are talking to me again, Sharon. <laughs> oh boys, I'm so excited. Oh, this is we should do it for the Goatman episode. Oh my god. I'll give you a sneak peek. My my version of Goatman happens around a campfire in the woods, mostly at night. Oh, this and is going to be so bad if he tells us if we're at his house in the middle of the night, in the middle of the middle desert, and there's just, oh my god, it's so going to be great. All I want. Mm-hmm. And it gets dark at my house once oh, you yeah. get away from the fire, the ring of fire. Yeah, He's in like so, UFO territory. Yeah, outside of the city a good ways. Yep. And a lot of the, the story happens in a trailer, and I live. In a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, this is going to be good. April 6th is hopefully when the Goatman episode will air. Uh, that's going to be right. It's going to be the week after. We're going to have like three weeks in a row. We're going to have this episode that you're listening to now. We're going to have our uh, show review of the Killswitch Engage August Burns Red Show with an Atonement album review as well. And then we'll have the Goatman episode the week after that. Well, boys. 
Is it that I time? Think we made it. Is it that time? I think we did the what are we loving impromptu. We didn't even have to like, hey, what are we loving? This is what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are Bear Attack. Um, feel free to uh, hit us up on social media. Yeah, what uh, are you loving? What stories do you... Send us some stories. Exactly. You can do mm-hmm. it on Facebook or Instagram, or you could email us, baratechpodcast exactly. at gmail. Um, yep. And if you would and like, if you send me a story that I like that I like enough, I will tell it on the podcast. Ooh, there we go. Now you're talking. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I reserve the right to use artistic license. If you want to hear any of our stories, I'm currently writing uh, a story about a, a school that bans candy because the kids are too hyper. But uh, one of the kids starts a cartel. It's like family friendly narcos. I like it. The story I'm currently writing is that bomb under the table where the, the guy stands up. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually working on that right now. Are you actually? Trying to make it a little more, yeah, trying to make it a little more um, involved than that. Sure. For future but myths and the, legends, basic. which is going to be Polar Bear making up his own myth and legend. <laughs> I'm down. I mean, maybe. Just sneak a few of those in there. Um, yeah. If you want to uh, hear the story I'm currently writing, you have to wait until we actually get on our horses and make music. Well, kids, I think we've—I think this show has run its course. It has. <laughs> Before this becomes a massive bear attack train wreck, let's uh, wrap it up. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm Polar Bear. That one's Blitz Bear. The other one's Panda Bear. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Later. Dun 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 d